Hello everyone, welcome to the Wednesday webinar. Tonight we are joined by Reverend Father Baiju Thomas. He's an MGO priest and he's the director of Missionaries of God's Love in Canberra. Tonight he'll be taking the second part of the topic, debunking Sola Scriptura, as part of our Faith and Life, um, Faith and Life series webinars. And this webinar will be recorded for future use. Um, please have your pens and notebooks ready. We're about to start. And if you have any questions, um, please put in the Q&A box and send it over. Thank you. Now I will hand it over to Father Baiju. So welcome, everyone. I thought I'd come back. And also, I had some good questions, uh, which uh, I could not answer quite well uh, back then, because uh, I must confess this too, that uh, my, all my formation happened here in Australia. So my uh, understanding of our Eastern traditions and uh, all the rest of uh, it is uh, quite uh, limited. I'm sort of uh, uh, gathering things from my own personal readings. So a lot of the questions were related to that. And because of that, I could not, couldn't uh, answer that well, but uh, I uh, got those questions and uh, I did my own, uh, what we call, uh, some kind of research. And uh, I will get back to you with uh, the answers that I have in mind. Um, whether that will be satisfying or not. Um, so today I welcome everyone. Uh, I see uh, quite a number of participants um, uh, in a generic term. Welcome to everyone. And I saw uh, our, uh, our spiritual father, Bishop Bosco, is also there. So special welcome to our dear, dear uh, Bishop. Pidave uh, Swagadam. And uh, so um, last uh, time when we, when we were looking at the Sola Scriptura, uh, we were sort of uh, looked at the history uh, where it uh, uh, came from and also uh, the, all the historical uh, influences uh, and also the historical situation uh, that, uh, that made Martin Luther as an outlet of the, some of the existing problems uh, in what we call the medieval or the later part of the medieval uh, Europe. And um, uh, so we looked at the history and also we looked at the the far-reaching influence of that slogan of, uh, of Reformation, Sola Scriptura, that means uh, scripture alone. I just thought of uh, uh, recap some of that um, before we go into, because last time when we looked at the history and all of the, uh, uh, the preliminary uh, steps to understand that, uh, uh, we did not get enough time for those uh, reasons or uh, the actual topic, the uh, debunking of uh, Sola Scriptura. So, uh, in fact, my focus will be all those uh, uh, 11 or 12 reasons uh, why that is not reasonable or that is not rational. Uh, so before that, I just want to recap uh, the things that we just look, uh, discussed and looked at uh, last time. We looked at this man, uh, Martin Luther, and also we looked at uh, Protestant Reformation that he was reacting to uh, a misinterpreted and also misrepresented church back then in Europe that was somehow caught up in a kind of a feudal culture, as well as in all its understanding that was uh, diminished by uh, uh, not knowing what the real core message of the church. And uh, so the, there were some uh, mistakes, not some, but a considerable amount of mistakes uh, uh, from the part of those who really represented or guided the church at that time. So he was uh, reacting to it. And uh, in fact, as we just, uh, so then that his initial uh, uh, desire was to renew the church. So all those propagate, uh, 
propaganda he put forward was to renew the church but uh, when the church also uh, took a, a stand of defense he also he got a bit more vehement uh, in reacting rather sometimes uh, irrationally and uh, all the result of it we saw in the protestant reformation and uh, uh, the effects of that and then we just looked at the three slogans of reformers that sola scriptura scripture alone sola fidei faith alone and sola gracia grace alone and again we looked at the the understanding of churches the church also believed uh, sola verbum dei not sola scriptura and we just looked at the, the difference what is it uh, the sola scriptura the written word of god or the written material that we have now as the word of god and then we had sola verbum dei that's uh, uh, the catholic position that we have uh, a uh, threefold understanding of the, the uh, word of god that means the sacred tradition sacred scripture and the magisterium the teaching authority of the church and uh, we just uh, we saw that this was the jesus approach and also this was our elder brothers in the in the monotheistic faith on one uh, faith in one true god uh, our elder brothers jewish people this was their approach too and then we looked at the traditions of small t capital t traditions as well as small t and um, then we went into the sola scriptura and how this uh, slogan um, when we speak about sola scriptura that the protestant slogan uh, that uh, the by the scripture alone and we just uh, saw that in the in the history because uh, luther wanted to get an alternative authority of teaching than uh, the pope or the council because he had he struggled with them that they those who represented that teaching authority uh, he found or he felt they were not doing uh, what was right so he needed to have an alternative um, authoritative uh, voice uh, for everyone uh, in the church so so when he read the scripture he he thought that everything is in the scripture so this is the fundamental authority that uh, nothing would uh, pass uh, by it that uh, everything should come under it and that's why this uh, slogan sola scriptura came and we looked at the reasons but we did not have the chance to go uh, them uh, quite detailly so let us go through them again and uh, once again my capacity to do the powerpointing is not that great so bear with me if i um, uh, put too much information in in one slide so let's go through that once again by the way questions are welcome and also your reactions are welcome you can let them um, uh, know uh, to your um, all those who are in the panel and they will the, uh, forward that to me and i'm happy to answer your questions and uh, today's sessions are more i i would like to have more questions because that's the main reason that uh, i came back to do the second part of this because last time we didn't get enough time and first of all we just saw that this um, uh, sola scriptura is not even that slogan is not from uh, uh, from the uh, scripture itself and uh, this is sort of the foundational text they use to to underpin the sola scriptura that uh, from second uh, timothy uh, that paul was instructing you know that uh, uh, why uh, the scripture in the in the in the life of uh, of of the faithful of the community and uh, this was the the primary text that uh, the scripture is using for correction and all those uh, good ends you know it, it discerns the uh, discerns the uh, inspirations of the heart and all and uh, um, 
and we just looked at this man uh, the one of the greatest uh, uh, minds of the church um, john henry newman uh, who was originally a, a anglican priest uh, in fact uh, he had a wide variety of of uh, of um, writings that sort of um, um, in in defense of catholic faith um, and most of the things um, he wrote not everyone could really understand that and um, even uh, the pope of the time um, uh, pius the ninth had a great struggle with the his some of his writings that um, so john henry newman writes with uh, somewhat what we call a very brilliance and wit um, so anyway one point he said to to deep in the history is to cease to be a protestant and so he had his own uh, take against the, the the protestant reformation and also the the influence and also the uh, the uh, uh, john henry newman's time how the protestant church worked he was not quite happy about uh, nor their teachings or nor their lives so one point he put out uh, this thing uh, to to defend the catholic position of uh, of or, or uh, to uh, counter react against uh, uh, the very basic text that protestants use uh, to to promote uh, sola scriptura and uh, which we just saw then and these are the three reasons he gave that uh, when uh, apostle saint paul he uh, was referring to the scriptures uh, that uh, he was saying that uh, he was reminding timothy about all that he was uh, uh, he was taught in his infancy by his grandmother and mother and uh, looking at that uh, john henry newman was suggesting that when apostle was uh, instructing timothy most of the new testament books were not written at that time he was referring to the old testament uh, scripture uh, the the torah as well as uh, uh, the the um, the prophets the law and the uh, prophets and uh, so then john henry newman here suggesting that if the apostle rem, uh, sort of uh, referred to uh, the the scripture that uh, that was before all those the new testament like the gospels were not fully written or not written and uh, the things were not put into into uh, canon like as we have the, the full version of the bible so he was uh, uh, john henry newman's uh, um, what, what we call an a priori uh, sort of uh, uh, thesis that that uh, he was um, referring to the old testament so in that case all the new testament books can be taken for valid as an authoritative authentic an authoritative text or what we call a teaching the primary teaching authority like uh, uh, paul was if paul was mentioning only about the scriptures which was the old testament because a good part of the new testament was you know uh, written in timothy's uh, boyhood or even when paul was writing his first epistles so um, that was uh, that came from john henry newman which was uh, a, a quite a wonderful valid point that uh, we can rely on that uh, what really paul meant when he uh, spoke about scriptures that uh, so only the old testament or uh, was he mentioning all those texts that are going to be in place uh, in the future and the second reason we saw that the word of god refers to oral teachings also when we look at or uh, when we study the uh, the the scripture we know that uh, how this uh, in before the written document we sort of classified them into three the actual event uh, or 
either of Jesus or of the Old Testament. And then that event was, or the, that part of that history was sort of transmitted to, uh, to the oral teaching that the elders of the community taught the younger ones and that was passed from one generation to the next. So first we have the actual events, either in the life of Jesus or in the Old Testament. And then we had the oral transmission of that, those materials. So what we call those uh, messages of faith. And then eventually it was written down, down the uh, track. So the word of God, uh, in, in the written word of God itself, it refers to the old oral teachings also, the teachings that handed down, not, by, not through written materials, but uh, uh, through the lips of either of uh, the teachers or the prophets, or those who were, in, uh, those who were uh, commissioned to teach. And um, I have a few te uh, texts uh, from the uh, verses from the scripture. Which one? Uh, the first one you see is from Jeremiah. Perhaps let, let's look at uh, the uh, New Testament uh, verses. Uh, so this was from First Thessalonians. When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. So here Paul himself uh, who is said, um, normally the Protestant Reformation always uh, uh, heavily relied on Paul's uh, teachings and his, uh, his uh, letters. So this is what Paul himself saying that when he received the word of God, which you heard from us, not you read from my letter, but you heard from me. So that is, uh, that speaks about oral traditions are also valid, not only the written materials. Again, keep away from any brother who is living in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. We just uh, saw that the tradition is a great part of transmitting the, the word of God. And uh, the tradition Paul here speaks about, and one point Paul himself said that, I teach you. He was speaking about how to do the, uh, the, the Lord's table, which is the Eucharist. And he said, I teach, I teach you the tradition that I received from the Lord himself. So uh, Paul here uh, speaks about not only the scripture, but also he's uh, speaking about the tradition. In other words, uh, last time we saw that the tradition means the lived faith of the community. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have learned, whether by word or by uh, epistle or my uh, letter. So again, uh, not only by what is written, but also whatever is passed through word is passed by word that also matter and so the third reason we saw the bible calls the church and not the bible uh, call the church not the bible as the pillar and the ground of truth so that's again from uh, uh, letter, first letter to timothy if i am delayed you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in god's household which is the church of living god now, this is the church, the church, the Paul calls the church as the pillar and foundation of truth. So the, 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 the actual living uh, uh, church, which is uh, the, the, the living community of faith, is the foundation of the truth, and Paul does not call it as the scripture. The fourth one we saw, Jesus and Paul accepted non-biblical and oral traditions, and a few examples that, uh, uh, you know, we saw that from Matthew's gospel, that he shall be called a Nazarene. And that cannot be found in anywhere in the Old Testament, but it was a spoken. Uh, it was spoken by the prophets, so it is uh, sort of uh, uh, handed down uh, through oral uh, tradition. And uh, luckily, we have some 
resembling uh, verses of that in some of the Qumran scroll, scrolls, uh, which was found near the uh, Dead Sea, what we call these days Dead, Dead Sea scrolls. And some of the resembling um, um, verses are there in the um, Qumran uh, scrolls. So therefore, this, uh, this prophecy, uh, that's, uh, that's sort of passed down orally rather than through the scripture. And again, in Matthew's uh, gospel, uh, it speaks about the teaching authority uh, of, of those who are interested with that uh, magisterium or the teaching authority that uh, he sp uh, speaks. Uh, 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 he says that because they are scribes and the Pharisees, because they sit on this Moses' seat or throne of Moses, listen to them, but never imitate their actions. Uh, so Jesus also respected the teaching authority of the elders uh, uh, present in his time. And uh, again, um, in Corinthians, Paul refers to rock that followed Jesus uh, through the Sinai wilderness, and uh, we, which we cannot see in any of the Old Testament uh, books. Uh, that um, that also is a, some of the rabbinic traditions uh, quote that, and they have in some of the uh, that in some of the uh, written forms in uh, in some of their own uh, personal uh, materials, but it, you, know, you can uh, you cannot see that in anywhere in the Old Testament. So Paul is sort of referring that uh, uh, that to some one of some of the old oral traditions. So Paul also used oral traditions uh, uh, to teach the faith. And again, uh, we see that in uh, um, that Paul is speaking about uh, people those who opposed Moses, which we cannot see. We can vaguely see that there was some oppo opposition from some people, but uh, these are names and uh, uh, things we cannot see uh, in anywhere in the Old Testament. So Paul also, as a teaching tool, he also used the oral traditions that were familiar uh, to the ears of people around that time. So the fifth reason we saw the apostles exercised authority at Council of uh, Jerusalem, and which uh, uh, we can see in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 15, 28 and 29, the verses. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these, nece these necessary things, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what is strangled and from uh, unchastity. They delivered to them for observance the decisions which had been reached by the apostles and elders who were at Jerusalem. Now, the sixth reason, Old Testament Jews did not believe in sola scriptura. In other words, in the, uh, the our brothers, in the uh, elder brothers uh, in, the, uh, in the monotheistic faith, they did not believe that uh, for them, the, the, the written word of God is the absolute authority or what, uh, the, um, uh, the absolute uh, foundational uh, aspect of their uh, living and also their teaching. Uh, we see this in the book of Ezra 7.26. Ezra, a priest and a scribe, studied the Jewish law and taught it to Israel. And his authority was binding under pay, uh, pain of imprisonment, banishment, loss of good, uh, goods, and even death. And in Nehemiah, Ezra reads the law of Moses to the people in Jerusalem. And in verse 7, we find 13 Levites who assisted Ezra and helped people to understand the law. And uh, much earlier, we find uh, Levites exercising the same function. So it was a college of, uh, of Levites, uh, teach, uh, they exercised uh, teaching authority. 
and even in Jesus' time, it was you will never see a one single person as the teaching authority. You could always see either the scribes or the Pharisees. Always the that was used in plural. So there was, there was always a, a college of teachers. And even when Jesus was mentioning, he said the scribes and Pharisees because they sit in the throne of uh, of of Moses. So. Uh, there was always a collegiality in terms of uh, giving giving the instructions or the message, or even the passing down the core of uh, their uh, core of their faith. So even uh, Jesus respected uh, that uh, that uh, the, the collegiality of magisterium. That uh, we saw what was magisterium in the previous session. That uh, the, the the absolute teaching authority. And the seventh uh, reason we saw Paul casually assumes that his passed down tradition is infallible and binding and if anyone refuses to obey what we say in this letter not that man have and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed so he's sort of saying whatever uh, whatever we let you know or whatever we pass down to you uh, through our letter uh, that tradition has to be uh, kept and uh, that is uh, uh, infallible Take note of those who create dissensions and difficulties in opposition to the doctrine which have been taught and avoid them. This is from uh, his letter to Romans. And again, uh, the first Christians did not believe, uh, did not have a Bible. For 1500 years, Christianity lived without the what we call the, the full version of the written word of God as we have now. And uh, so the, um, the, the major part of it, especially the infant church, that we always tap back to the infant church if we have any confusion uh, in terms of our faith. And uh, all those lived experience of faith was valid for all kinds of Christian denominations. And uh, they did not have what we call a full version of the scripture as we have now. And again, the multiple representation of sola scriptura in itself is a uh, a self-contradiction so sola scripture uh, is a circular position you know over the last 400 years sorry my mistake 500 years we just uh, two years ago four years uh, two or four years ago i think we celebrated um 500 uh, 50, uh 500 years of uh, protestant reformation so um over the 500 years the protestants have continued to read the bible and produce it even greater variety of teachings while all insist that their they, uh, contradictory teachings are the result of simply reading the uh, scripture. Um, so they have only one scripture, but they have different positions and different personal interpretations. And that's one of the default of, uh, of this, that uh, the uh, one, one word of God, but multiple uh, interpretations. And uh, so um, they say the Bible is the, the foundation authority of of everything that we do and what we teach and uh, that we observe, but uh, among themselves that uh, there are multiple uh, representation of that. So that itself is sort of a, a self-contradiction. The personal inter interpretations cause more divisions than unity. And we can see that uh, uh, the, the scripture, the, the, the aim of, uh, aim of Luther to present scripture as the, the lasting authority in the life, in the life of the church, to bring unity especially uh, to give more clarity into the life of uh, of the of the church but it brings more divisions than unity that you can see that uh, tens and 
um, thousands of Protestant groups uh, or the denominations sort of emerged uh, as a result of this uh, Protestant Reformation and to all, all those who believe in Sola Scriptura. If the doctrine of Sola Scriptura had brought about a uniformity of interpretation, if almost all Protestants believe the same things, then this would be a strong evidence that the Bible could and should simply be studied by all people independent and their feet would reveal the same truth to all. Uh, but uh, that's not the uh, case that um, uh, you, uh, even among the early Protestant reformations, all those three figures, uh, Swigley, um, Luther, as well as uh, Calvin, they also had different takes on different things, all from the same uh, uh, same scripture, especially when they look at the uh, the Eucharist, the way the understanding of Eucharist, we Catholics and the Orthodox and the other uh, Eastern uh, churches believe that is the real present. But at the same time, uh, the Protestants and uh, uh, they have different takes. Uh, Protestants, all the Lutherans, they believe that uh, it is not the real presence. Uh, it was sort of, sort of a symbolic presence. And for Calvin and Swigley, they sort of believe that um, uh, one take the position that um, it is real presence as long as the church gathers, and the other one uh, sort of rejects that as well. So they, there are three. Uh, different positions of uh, the Eucharistic celebration and uh, very clearly it is written down in both the New Testament uh, uh, the Gospels as well as uh, in the in the words of Paul how to do the um, and the, the, the earliest uh, possible theology we can find about Eucharist from the scripture itself but they differ on that so one scripture different positions among themselves so it's a, sort of a contradiction so these were the things uh, and now I am uh, for questions. I'm happy to answer your questions. Or you can also, uh, if you want, uh, you can speak about your reactions. And so we have one question. Okay, so the question is: It is understandable that oral tradition was very important, especially in the Jewish culture, yeah. given that their culture and traditions were God-given and God-centered in the Old Testament. However, now in these times, is it possible to have a false doctrine through oral tradition or through divine revelation in the church? Yeah, so speaking about the Old Testament, okay? It is uh, through an oral, tra oral tradition comes to an end with uh, once we have a written, um, what we call the written word of God. The, uh, the revelation sort of, uh, when we look at the revelation in, in uh, in the church or in the church's understanding the jesus was the the fullest revelation of god so it sort of stops with him the revelation there can be some uh, mistake in uh, orally transmitting the core of our message but the message what we see in the uh, in the scripture and also uh, what is sort of taught uh, by the church uh, can never be uh, wrong because uh, it's based on you know the lived uh, lived tradition as, uh, last time I said about the, the written word of God, the traditions, they sort of complement to each other, that one enriched the other one. So it's sort of a, there is a complementarity between the, the, the um, tradition, the lived tradition, and also the, the, the scripture. And in these times, uh, about the, uh, the one, we don't normally speak about an, a, a current oral tradition because the oral tradition give way to a written tradition later. You know, once the written, um, uh, the oral tradition comes to an end because 
down the track people need to remember things to the uh, to to the uh, best of their ability and to they want to have an authentic material to to look for because you know it's like chinese whisper more it passes down it gets distorted or it could be watered down so that's why when we look at the the gospels uh, you know about the writing of the gospels we always say the church put down or the wrote down all that she remembered from the life of jesus so the oral tradition comes to an end with uh, that the uh, the with the uh, written word of god but as uh, the um, in in these days about when you speak about the divine revelation oral tradition uh, or divine revelation in the church the ultimate divine revelation is already done uh, in 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 and through christ there is no question about that and he is the revelation of christ and he is the gospel you know even the written uh, documents are uh, sort of uh, you know the, the church remembering from the life of the um, life of christ and they put put it down and uh, uh, even the gospel writers especially when when we look at um, at john john himself speaks about that he says that if if i could have written down all that jesus did the the, the entire world will not suffice to contain them so uh, the all that has been uh, orally passed down or the been there is not written down but what is uh, you know the that's why we have to look at the jewish understanding of the scripture that um, in the written word of god it's uh, everything is uh, fully written in a, in a sense that um, they call it as white fire and the black fire that uh, if you look at a page you can see the 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 letters the written letters they are called uh, black fire they are the actual they are the ones that the lord wanted to communicate god wanted to communicate us his message with us and all that he wanted to communicate is written down again he wanted to communicate so some things that, but that we cannot understand which we have to come to know through prayer and meditation and those parts he just uh, left in the blank you can see between the the uh, the letters and the verses and the paragraphs you see that white space and for them that is the unspoken word of god so they are the white fire so for a jew it is black fire and the white fire so once we have that uh, the the uh, the written word of god we do not have that old oral tradition leading up to th uh, that written word of god still present with us but we have in oral way that the the, the teaching authority of the church and uh, another question so could you please read that question out to me again do you want me to read it out yes please okay My what do you think about the mixture of culture with christianity for example in kerala at churches there are instances where people can pour oil over the cross certain statues of saints yes. etc would that be spiritually correct or is the unfortunate situation where indian culture mostly hindu culture is mixed to christianity and then we see that as tradition and culture again um last time when i was speaking about the traditions uh, i just uh, classified them into two one is the t the capital t traditions and the other one was uh, small t small t traditions and in the capital t traditions uh, as i said they contain the core of our christian faith that uh, jesus came down for us he died and he rose again and his life is with us therefore 
as a believer, we have to do these things in imitation of Christ that has been handed down to us through the apostles. So they are the, the core of uh, our, uh, our faith and uh, the, those traditions, for example, uh, we celebrating the Eucharist and the sacraments, that is capital T traditions. And also we looked at the small T, uh, T traditions, those traditions that enhance the actual living of this capital T tradition uh, that can add the beauty to the uh, our life of faith and also that can add uh, an order and also it can protect. Uh, uh, and sometimes when we use cultural elements uh, into, into, into our own, uh, in, in living out the faith, it can enhance beauty and easy to transmit from one generation to the other. So these uh, small traditions, which you mentioned here, I would say they are the practices and observances sometimes. Uh, the church, that's the beauty of the gospel. When, wherever the gospel went, it never destroyed any culture. Rather, it adopted the good elements and it corrected the culture. Uh, the gospel is never uh, to, to destroy anything and it always appreciate the good elements. And sometimes all those practices adopted has got some erudite spiritual uh, heritage behind it. And uh, once we sort of take that into, it's again, any tradition can be adopted if we want to leave our original tradition to the full but if we, if it uh, sort of uh, uh, if if it if if adopting them fails the real purpose to leave the the real message of uh, christian values and christian faith there is a problem which we have to identify and we have to correct and uh, and some of the practices uh, uh, they uh, sort of in as i said they could uh, could change they could um, uh, to be uh, they could be in different shapes down the track uh, as the years pass by or even the culture changes. And uh, so the church, or the, the, wherever the gospel went, it adopted some elements of the culture, the language, the poetry, the culture, and uh, other elements of, uh, of people's life. And uh, so the gospel sort of went into, into the heart of the culture and at, it adopted some elements. Uh, and that's what everywhere we see that when we go to uh, in, uh, in the Middle East, you see a different way of living the gospel. When we go to India, there is a different way of, uh, or a different way of expressing our life uh, in Christ. So um, if you find out this sort of, uh, uh, there is a, uh, some, sometimes we go off the track as you asked, that sometimes we give more importance to these things and we do not know the meaning of it. Like Jesus himself called um, the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees hypocrites because they, they practice things uh, without knowing what they are practicing. You know, they only look at the outer side of it and give more importance to the exterior elements of uh, the faith and they forget the heart of faith or the heart of the message of God. If that happens, yes, we have to identify that and we have to correct it. And uh, uh, um, that could be the best answer I can give. A lot of things you said, uh, I, I, I haven't come across with that, but uh, perhaps... Uh, you would have observed them. So, um, yeah, so we have to identify, first of all, these two traditions. And again, this small T traditions, which, uh, which uh, we use to enhance uh, uh, the beauty and the order. And also it gives uh, uh, some, um, um, what we call some easy way of doing things. And uh, so um, that's the uh, best answer I can give about that. Again, from the same person, what about the scripture in the old old 
uh, Testament that states that God wants us to worship him in his way and not have pagans used to worship their gods. How can one make sure that what they are doing to worship God is along the lines of what God wants us to? Yeah. And uh, yes, in the Old Testament, uh, God clearly said that, but also we have to uh, look at Jesus who interpreted the Old Testament in his, through, in, in, in and through his life also through his definitely through his teaching and he uh, he said the real worship is uh, is through uh, worship in spirit and truth so they are the the for a christian to worship they are the 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 fundamental uh, disposition the heart's dispositions in terms of worship is that you should be worshiping in truth and also you will be or you should be worshiping in spirit uh, and uh, so the spirit and the truth uh, is the criteria, the, the primordial and fundamental criteria for a Christian to worship according to Jesus. And uh, so when you say that to worship in one's own way, uh, that um, yes, um, that's why in, in terms of worship, that's why we have, uh, especially in public worship, we have uh, rubrics or the liturgy that is well-defined and well-structured so that everyone is like using the traffic signal, you know, so that we can all uh, participate um, in the in the public worship but uh, I think the question here could be how uh, adopt again I think this adopting those uh, uh, different practices into the Christian uh, faith um, so um, well there is a, a guideline from God definitely uh, in the Old Testament and also Jesus gives you know that's that's what one of the if you remember that episode when Jesus was meeting with the, this woman at uh, the woman um, at the well of uh, Jacob that um, he was you know she was sort of trying to uh, ask Jesus or trying to change the topic or the conversation uh, till that point she was sort of trying to asking about the where to worship either to Jerusalem or in in the in the Mount Sinai and uh, uh, you know that part of the world Samaritans uh, uh, gave the most important uh, place of worship as the Mount Sinai, because that that's where God's revelation fully uh, taken place for them. They received the commandments and also uh, Moses taught a lot of things from Mount Sinai. So, place uh, the hill of worship or the temple that uh, the uh, the the especially the people in South Southern Kingdom of uh, of that time they believed that that is the place of worship that centralized all worship. And Jesus was saying that wherever you are, whatever you do, and your worship should be in truth and in spirit so whatever manner that you used to worship and for jesus this is how he interpreted uh, the the absolute commandment of god to worship him him alone and this is why this is the way that jesus sort of put forward uh, for all those who believe in him you have to do the say that you have to worship one and true god only him but uh, uh, wherever whatever in whatever manner you worship you have to these are the conditions you have to worship in truth in authenticity and in spirit thank you i got another question here ah yes yes in terms of tradition what do you think is more important for us the jewish tradition and zero malabar tradition i would say christian tradition in terms of tradition uh christian tradition is more important and uh, when you it's, it's quite fun from my understanding of zero malabar tradition and you sort of said Jewish tradition and um, Christian tradition. Christian tradition, as I said, uh, the the revelation of God, uh, of course, 
the shadow was in the old testament but fully realized in jesus in, in and through his life death and his teaching and uh, and therefore we have a, a tradition to live that faith that's what we call uh, tradition in christian terms live the christian faith and uh, the, the, the very life that uh, the apostles lived, the very life the infant church lived, the very life uh, in Christ that, uh, that uh, people continue to live as Christians. So that's what I said, you know, the tradition. And the Jewish tradition and Syro Malabar tradition. And uh, in fact, uh, one of my reading uh, suggested that Syro Malabar tradition is highly Semitic in, it, in its expressions. Uh, in fact, um, uh, and Yes, again, uh, Christian Christian tradition. That's my uh, only answer. Perhaps that's the only uh, the true answer. That uh, when I speak about tradition, Christian tradition, uh, what we have learned from Christ in and through the uh, from Him and through the apostles, and that's the tradition I meant, living the faith in Christ. Yeah. Uh, any more questions? Okay, we have we have a hand up. There we go. Yeah, really, really glad that you answered those questions just so we could get answers, um, yeah. you know, from our church as well. But um, now they were like those answers were pretty satisfying. Um, another thing that I wanted to speak about, no, no, I don't think including me, most of us don't really know what really happened in regarding the Reformation um, in back in the 14th, 15th century. Yeah. Now, um, the, there's a lot of people, obviously, even I, I read some Catholic articles that also said that a reformation was needed. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, it got out of hand um, in terms of doctrines and things like that. And then obviously came the Protestant um, side of things. Yes. But in terms of a Catholic explaining the reformation um, and at that point in time, what actually uh, the negative things that was happening inside the church. Yes. How can one... Um, let's say stand up against, uh, not stand up for the church, um, or can you, or is it more of a, um, and how do you tell someone, even though um, there's been changes, um, no doctrinal um, changes have been made throughout the years in or in that aspect, especially when all that stuff happened. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks. Uh there's a lot of historical kind of explanation or historical situations and as i said perhaps in the last um, session that luther was not uh, the creator or the chief architect of reformation he was nothing but an outlet of the existing problems within the church uh, which we have to confess and admit that um, what we call uh, the the church or those who guided the church especially in the feudal um, kind of culture in Europe at that time, sort of the church sort of succumbed into that kind of feudal culture. And therefore, uh, um, uh, the those who were in charge, those who were uh, guiding the church or those who were representing as authorities, uh, yes, there were mistakes and perhaps sinful uh, things from them, definitely. And uh, yes, there were mistakes, there were um, you know, um, the uh, exploitation of the poor, especially the socially down uh, um, class people. And um, yes, uh, things were, things were uh, most of the things are true. And also the church could not respond. It, uh, when we look at the history, it's quite funny that uh, just before Luther, maybe two years before Luther put out all this, uh, his thesis to, to 
point out what's happening in the in the life of the church and all the pope uh, the uh, the one who dealt um, the pope of current uh, at that time um, i can't remember who was that but before that it was innocent the third yeah check in the google anyway innocent third perhaps i uh, think it in the 12th century uh, he um, he was sort of a grandpa for the europe and um, but from his time the popes uh, he um, like in his time we had two great orders began franciscans and uh, dominicans so the reformation when we think about the renewal of the church in fact started from them uh, from from uh, that time onwards but it did not reach uh, the entire europe and sort of uh, this uh, dominican order and also the franciscan order the, the call of francis of assisi was the same like luther to renew the church and uh, in fact he heard the voice of christ from the cross go and rebuild my church that is in ruin so that the lord knew the god knew that the church is in ruin definitely and that was uh, that's a fact a historical fact so it has to be rebuilt and when we look at uh, to do this uh, or do the or the those who the promoters of protestant reformation protestant reformations uh, see the two two way of approaching things the one lived the uh, gospel and he chose the way to live the gospel in a radical way to renew the church and the other one took that uh, of course uh, Ma- luther ha- i admire luther for a lot of his things and uh, for his uh, but um, what went wrong with luther was uh, he was driven by his own uh, feelings what we call that that reactions and um, that's why the protestant reformation even took to a different shape that uh, even disagreements within the same kind of uh, group that had the same propaganda but then there are a lot of uh, divisions among them so when we explain those things to uh, to to somebody about what happened uh, there uh, we shouldn't have to be ashamed of acknowledging the mistakes of the 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 representations of the church or the representations of christianity at that time in europe that's a fact but at the same time we have to defend the core element of faith which is uh, that uh, the the mistakes or the sinfulness of christians can never be uh, interpreted as sinfulness of the church the church is holy because it is founded by christ at the same time is sinful because we are all the members are sinful and therefore the human weaknesses could play its role and uh, when we explain these things uh, uh, acknowledging our own mistakes acknowledging our own part uh, in causing these things i i don't see any problem uh, in acknowledging that even ra- that's a, a matter of bravery we have to own what went wrong and then we have to go forward in a holy way so um uh to to explain the protestant reformation this is my take that uh, i will uh, i am not ashamed to say what went wrong but at the same time i have to boldly say that uh, we have to look at a new way of living and that has to happen everywhere every time uh, the, when the church uh, and each of us is needed in the life of the church for its continuous uh, uh, transformation as long as we are on earth as long as we are here the church needs that continuous transformation that us all saint paul would put it that we have to grow into the full stature of perfection as individuals and also as the church so that uh, that this kind of reformation you know the, the reform is happening and uh, especially these days so uh, like, thank to pope john paul john the 23rd who called second vatican council that was his idea that to to get the fresh air of the holy spirit into the life of the church 
and to renew and let the church go uh, or think along with the along with the time and see the, the signs of seasons and to renew it so the desire for renewal always there in the life of the church and um, perhaps i think uh, this is an encouragement for all of us we have to play our part in in renewing or making things all right making things uh, and pointing out if there is any mistake and uh, we have the right to do that and uh, um, so to answer to your question about uh, this is the best i can say that uh, yes things went wrong but christ remained always faithful and uh, his teachings are infallible that uh, the, the 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 real treasure of the church is christ and his teaching and that can never be violated that can never be um, uh, that we cannot give up that in order to do something new we have to have that core elements always with us which is uh, which is that faith in christ and whatever that is handed down to us uh, in terms of that faith and to live that faith to the full hope you are satisfied thank you sir and uh, if there's no more questions yeah uh, we can wrap it up there thank you i hope i made myself uh, clearer enough and um, thank you for your questions and thank you for those uh, comments as well and um, um, keep exploring and uh, keep uh, feed if you have questions comments and uh, keep reading keep exploring and keep feeding back not only to me to your, your parish priest and uh, keep asking the questions when you guys ask questions that gives us opportunity to think about it reflect about it pray about it and so uh, let us be uh, in this uh, task of perhaps all you can hear that uh, those words from Christ uh, which uh, Francis of Assisi heard go and rebuild my church which is uh, relevant for all times and all seasons so thank you and uh, this is my encouragement keep studying keep exploring keep reading and uh, in fact uh, if you can uh, feedback to us and uh, if uh, uh, and teach us as well sometimes we need to learn from you guys god bless you uh, before you go will you be able to give us a blessing okay lord our god thank you for this opportunity that you gave us uh, to uh, to see what you really intended for us uh, by giving us this wonderful gift that is the written word of god uh, the words that has got life life to the full just ask you to uh, give us that blessing and the grace to go deep and snorkel into the into the into the scripture to know the beauty and the the life that is hidden uh, within those written word of god lord to know you more to love you more and to follow you and to live that life life to the full may all those who participate uh, in this web webinar lord be touched by you in a special way tonight that uh, your spirit will be giving them uh, true uh, knowledge about the scripture and whenever they need help lord as you helped the eunuch at the ethiopian uh, um, ethiopian who was in the chariot that you sent your apostle to instruct him the same way let the spirit inspire this young generation to rise up uh, in your name and to to give us uh, a great blessing of uh, of uh, shedding new light into the matters of the church May Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go Amen. in peace. Thank you again, Father Waju, for the wonderful session. Uh, and thank you for all those that attended, that joined in. So thank you all for coming. And we 
hope to see you at the next webinar.